Hello and welcome back to the Yes Queen City podcast. I'm Kayla. And I'm Emily. And we're joined today by Autumn Alston. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Um, Let's get into it. So can you tell us a little bit about your background, let our audience know who you are and what you do? Cool. Yeah. So hi, I'm Autumn. I am actually born and raised in Charlotte, which I don't know if y'all know that yet about Charlotte, but that's very rare. Um, Most people kind of move out or move into the city, but I've been here my whole life. Um, I currently work at the Freedom Center for Social Justice, which is based in Charlotte, which is really cool. Um, They do a lot of like interface organizing and culture shifting um, around LGBT issues, but also other issues involving marginalized groups. Um, and I work on programming there. So um, coming up with like cool events and trainings and conferences and things like that to bring awareness to those issues. Um, could you tell us a little bit about what gets you excited about politics and activism and what causes you're most passionate about? Yeah, so I think for me, it was something that I was fortunate when I was younger, like in high school, um, to really be pushed towards, um, which again is kind of unique, I think. Like my parents were always talking about politics and talking about social issues um, and really encouraged me and my sister to know what was going on. Um, And then in school, I went to a very like unique academy within a public school. So I went to a public school in Charlotte, but I had like a very different experience than a lot of people. Um, And like we were separated from the rest of the school for the most part, we had different teachers, we were able to take different classes. um, And they really just encouraged us to be involved and to debate and things like that. So I I was lucky to have sort of been brought up that way. Um, But now, especially the last four years, it's just felt like survival, like I've been doing it because I have to. Um, And, you know, as like a woman of color, it's like, you know, it's something that I have to do. So um, I'm really excited now about like the changes that I think are gonna be coming to the country. Um, As before, it was just kind of like doing it so we all don't die. But now it's like, okay, like there are some things that we can actually fight for and look forward to. Um, And as far as issues, you know, anything concerning um, social justice, so racial issues, women's issues are really important to me, LGBT issues. But also I think we're really gonna have to do something with climate change or else none of that's gonna matter. Um, And I know that's like really big um, to younger people, especially because we're gonna be the ones that are like on fire or not here at all. So um, it's just, it's such an important issue. It's an issue that isn't necessarily like entertaining or like exciting for people, but it's, it's really important. And I think showing how important it is to everyone is really going to be the challenge going forward. So that's something that I didn't start out really caring about. Um, but the more that I've like done work and been involved in different spaces, I've really come to care about a lot more. Yeah, definitely. And I was going to say like with climate change, I feel like people like Greta Thunberg are like getting people really like young people really excited about it. And that's exciting. Yeah, Um, for sure. So you've grown up in Charlotte. So I want to know, like, what's your take on what the biggest issues that are, what are the biggest issues that are facing the people of Charlotte right now? Well, I think there are some general issues and then there's like more specific issues. I think generally speaking, 
Um, and like, I don't know how long y'all have been here or if you've seen it a little bit, but Charlotte is very divided and it's very sectional. Um, so like if you're from Charlotte or you've lived here long enough, you sort of know like the good areas, the bad areas. Um, you know, West Charlotte has a very different connotation than South Charlotte. Um, and it's because there's a lot of disparities and a lot of unfair disparities um, in the community. And so if you think about Charlotte from like a bigger view, it's like, oh, we're, you know, I think like the 15th or 17th largest city or metro area. We're rapidly growing. We're one of the fastest growing cities in the country. And like, we have this beautiful skyline and, you know, all this stuff. And it's like getting us more national and even worldwide attention. Um, but if you sort of dive deeper, like there's a lot of people that are getting pushed out of, you know, this sort of like up and coming big city thing that we're doing. And there's a lot of issues with housing. And so if that's like the bigger issue, but then if you want to talk specifically, like I think housing and affordable housing um, is really a huge issue. Um, I've worked for like a lot of local candidates who everybody runs on that, like, oh, we're going to do something about housing. We're going to do something about cost of living and all this stuff and I'm not saying nothing's been done but you know there's definitely more that can be done because people that have been here people that have grew up here especially older people are just getting pushed out um, because we're trying to develop and like put this image forward of like we're the next Atlanta or like whatever so you know a lot of those people are getting pushed behind um, so I think that's an issue that is really still very prevalent. Um, it's something that you'll see, still hear a lot about, like especially when there's a local election season going on. Um, and I think just more really has to be done um, because it's, it's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger the divide in the city between like the haves and the haves nots. Yeah, definitely. And I was gonna ask like, not in the election season, just in like the general, you know, everything leading up like between elections, do you think these issues are getting enough attention from the government or media or just the people of Charlotte? No, um, and again, I, I do wanna say that I think it's easy to say that like nothing's being done or not enough is being done. I think that's sort of an easy thing for people on the outside to say. So I do understand that. Um, and I'm not like a policy expert. I don't watch all the government media. Like I'm not pretending that. But what I do know is that even people like me, I think about paying my rent every month. You know, I, I can do it. I live with my mom um, who has some health issues. And like, so we are able to split rent and that's really easy for me, but I have a full-time job, you know, I'm doing okay. And even I'm like, God, this rent is kind of high. And like, it kind of sucks. Like I wish I could be using my money for something else. So I can't imagine how other people kind of feel. Um, and you know, I talk to a lot of people who are struggling as well. And COVID is just like kind of blew that issue wide open um, with people not being able to pay rent who don't even fall into those stereotypical categories, like people who have been doing fine, people who have had full-time jobs, um, everyone's kind of feeling it. But um, I think one of the things that really should get more attention, but people don't really want to talk about is if you, and I don't know if you all like where you live or if you've driven uptown or anything like that, but it's like when you're driving on the interstate, like there's a beautiful skyline and it's like gorgeous. And I, you know, I grew up here and it's changed a lot since I've been here and it's so beautiful. And then you literally like look to the other side and it's like our tent city. 
where you have dozens and dozens and dozens of people that are just living in tents. And it's very, like, you can see it. Like, I'm sure people that are traveling in and out of the city can see it. And it's, like, such a stain, not just visibly, because that's horrible to say, but, like, to know that this is how people are living in this city, in this country, um, is truly depressing. And, like, I have people that go out there and work with them and, you know, um, help feed them. And, like, I remember this past election, my boss was able to secure a large donation of kind bars, which are like the little nutri um, nutrition bars. Um, and I was asking people like, does anyone need them at the polls? And my friend was like, well, can I have some to take to the people in the tent city? And I'm like, okay, but like, why, why is it like that? Like there should be very structured ways to help people like this. Like for now, it's, it's just kind of been like grassroots people doing very, very good work. Um, but it should just be something better. And I don't have all the answers, but it's like, this is not the way things should be. And then literally like two minutes down the street is like the Bank of America building, which is like huge. And it's like one of the biggest banking centers in the country. And it's just like, again, that divide is just like very glaring. Um, and so it's hard to talk about. It's even harder to do stuff about. But I think we need to have people in office that are going to be bold and like really speak openly and make a lot of bold decisions on um, how we're going to fix it. And would you recommend like reaching out to the elected officials that we have now or getting involved in grassroots stuff to kind of be part of that change? Yeah, well, I think I think both is going to be necessary because, you know, nothing really happens easily. Um, And we are very like liberal democratic I won't say liberal we're a very democratic city like most of our elected officials are democrats um but there's still a lot of um division even within that so definitely holding their feet to the fire regardless I think is very important but also there are people that are doing work on the ground um greater charlotte rise is a group um that you can just like google or look up on facebook um and they do a lot of work with the homeless um, so it's very, you know, hands-on things that people can do, even if it's like donating food or socks or coats or things like that. Um, but in terms of like the larger infrastructure that I think we're going to need, you know, I think it's best to um, contact the people that are in office as well as look up people that are running for office. There are going to be local elections this coming year in 2021 for Charlotte. Um, so just be involved. Like I think part of the problem is that a lot of people bank on a, we're a democratic city. So, you know, if you're a Democrat, it's better for you, um, just being honest. But they sort of rely on that and hope that we don't pay attention um, because it's local politics and most people don't pay attention to local politics. But really look up who's running and like know what's going on and support them um, and then hold them accountable because there is a lot of variation between candidates and like a lot of people just rely on the fact that we're not paying attention um so i think it has to be two-pronged and you know know what you're interested in if you're sort of intimidated by politicians or like you don't really trust that system then go to the like nonprofit space and look up these organizations and see if you can help that way um, if you really like politics you want to be in that arena you know do that um, but there's room for everybody because it's such a huge issue and it's going to take a lot of different parts coming together um, to be able to fix it. 
So then kind of along the same line of, you know, the importance of getting involved, have you noticed more people getting involved in different causes um, in the 2016 election than even more so in the 2020 election? And why do you think that is? Yeah, so I worked on the 2016 election and I am like still recovering um, because I have vivid, vivid memories of asking people to be involved and they were just like, eh you know, sort of, we got this, like, there's nothing to worry about. Um, and I think people just sort of assume certain things would happen. And so I think a lot of the um, urgency wasn't there. Um, now in 2020, I think people have seen tangibly what's going on in our country. Like, I think it's one thing from 2016 to say, you know, for example, Trump is a threat. He, you know, talks about doing this, this, and this. It's another thing in 2020 when you can be like, okay, Trump actually like ripped children from their families. Like we know this, this is a policy, like there's evidence of it. And so I think people realize that like, it's not just rhetoric, like these things have actually happened and like, it's on us to stop this. Like we're the only ones really that can save ourselves. And so I think the urgency and, you know, the effort in 2020 has just been incredible even with the pandemic like the things that have been happening has been unbelievable like the turnout in this past election was crazy again even with the pandemic like I honestly can't even believe it so um it'll be interesting to see like what happens once things are sort of somewhat back to normal um but I think people have just really realized that like we were on a very dangerous path and you know we can't relax like we did in 2016 like we have to take a hold of what we care about and like we really have to be the change. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, you know, the result was a positive step in the right direction. I know that you were quoted in like a WFAE story about how it was just like a huge sigh of relief. Um, yeah. How do we keep that momentum moving forward? Because it's not going to be an easy, um, I know there's the Senate races in Georgia and there's other stuff going on. So how do we kind of keep that going locally and on like a national level? Yeah, well, I think a lot of things are still happening at the federal level um, that are kind of scary. So I think that can keep us involved for now, even like before Biden gets in there. Um, but I think we have to really always remember like how long it takes to fix problems. And like, it's not going to happen on day one when Biden gets in there. It's not going to happen in year one. Like this stuff takes time. And if we don't continue to push and push, like it's very easy for them to move on to something else. And I think it's very important to realize that, especially with our media culture, where it's like, we need news all the time. And so like, we're always moving from like issue to issue. Again, it's been weird this year because COVID has kind of been like a continuing story, um, but usually it's like the news is on to the next thing because they know that Americans really get bored. Um, you have to focus on something that you care about um, and I think really two or three issues is really what most people can handle. So just kind of figure out what you really care about and then see what the government's doing at the federal, state and local level. Um, and if it's not up to par, just continue to hold people accountable. Um, you know, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of different issues, especially at the federal level, there's so much that they have to do. Um, so just focus on a few issues that you really care about and then push for that. 
Um, I think, like I said, in 2021, there'll be local elections here. So that's something that will, you know, hopefully keep people motivated. Um, but I think it just takes people, you know, like me, like y'all to continue to be voices to be like, look, it's not over. Like, I think a lot of people that I talk to, especially that are a little older than me, um, who were just kind of sitting on their hands during the Obama administration um, and weren't really paying attention, weren't really involved. And so I think we have to learn from that. Like, even if we have a good president, even if there are positive things going on, like there's something that always needs to be worked on. Um, and then the local stuff is always happening. It's always affecting us very hands-on. Um, and so I think just continuing to remind people that like, it's not over, like there's still things we have to work on. Um, and I think something that people, I encourage them to really pay attention to here um, is what's happening with the schools. Um, that's kind of like my little plug. My sister is a school teacher and there's been back and forth, back and forth about like, do we send them back, um, you know, they were sending elementary school kids back first and then middle school and high school. But as we know, like COVID is spiking more now than like ever. So she is literally contemplating taking a leave. Um, and for teachers, for everyone out there, she would be losing $1,500 a month for doing that, for saying, you know, I have two young kids at home and one of them is very high risk and I want to keep them safe you know, for doing that, she could lose that much money a month. And this is like a public servant who's trying, you know, her best. So I think we really have to keep paying attention. Again, school board is not something that's like, you know, as sexy as president, but like people really should pay attention to what's going on. Um, there's a lot of different sides, you know, parent perspective, teacher perspective, et cetera. So, you know, really pay attention, really push for what you think is right, what you think is best that's going to be an issue that is seemingly going to be lasting for months as well. Um, so there's a lot of things that are going to still be going on. Um, and just because we have a new president, like those issues aren't going to go away. And as long as we keep pushing that message, I think people are going to pay attention. Yeah, definitely. I feel like people don't really pay attention to what CMS is doing. Um, just because so many of our listeners also move here in their twenties and they're not really involved in school anymore, but you have to think about, you know, the people that, that are teachers, the people that are in school still, um, super important. Yeah, for sure. Um, so on the state level, um, obviously North Carolina like remained red, um, this year. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I was just wondering your perspective on what we can do in the next two years, um, before the midterms. Cause I believe Richard Burr's seat might be up for grabs and some, and obviously yeah. the congressional um, seats in the House of Representatives. So do you have any recommendations on what we can do? I mean, maybe we can't start right now, but what we can, you know, think about doing and um, get ready for. Well, I think that's the cool thing is that we can start now. Maybe not you personally, but like everyone can start talking about it, you know, telling their friends or coworkers, whatever. Um, I think it's important for the organizations though, and the party infrastructures um, who can do stuff now to really think more long-term. Um, I've been a part of this for a while and usually, and it's changing a little bit, but usually on the campaign world more so, you know, you'll really ramp up in like the year, half a year out, depending on the race. And you'll bring in like all these people from all over, 
and you'll hire all these people and spend all this money and it's like still the same result and we're like well what what happened I think we really need to invest in people that are from here and I don't you know they don't have to be born and raised like me but you know who have some connections on the ground um, who already know what's going on um, instead of just thinking that you can bring in people from all over to like run these entities that are getting out the vote and talking to people like how you organize in Wyoming is going to be different than how you organize here. Um, and so I think it's beneficial to have people that are from here lead in the charge. Um, and I think we just have to figure out a way to target voters, to target who's the most important voters. Um, you know, there have been some races where the powers that be have like really focused on this like mythical white voter who's like in the middle of the road and like Trump maybe can be tolerable, but like maybe not. And I'm just like, you know, I don't know what that is. You know, that's that's a weird, like you're either on, a, you're with us or not at this point, in my opinion. And so I think like what we saw in Georgia was really key because I think, you know, here, if we put the effort into bringing out voters of color, for instance, like we can go blue again. You know, we voted for Obama in 2008, we have a democratic governor. Um, so, you know, it is possible. Um, I think we just have to sort of shift who we think is important to talk to and like our mobilization efforts. Um, but one of the things that I think is really hard in North Carolina, and I don't necessarily have all the, the answers, is there's a big rural urban divide. So we're in Charlotte, it's like a huge city. Um, Raleigh, uh, Greensboro, those are some of the areas that are, you know, have a lot of democratic turnout. Um, but when you go into those rural areas, it's super red. And so we had to figure out, are these people salvageable? That sounds awful, but like what is really driving them? I think it's racial politics. I think it's identity stuff um, because like the other side is not going to do anything to help these people. Um, they still wouldn't be in, you know, extreme poverty if they were going to help them. Like, it's almost like a cult of personality at this point. And so I think we have to figure out, do we even want to compete with that? Or do we just have to accept that, like, those areas care more about, you know, bigotry and bringing us back to the 1950s than they do their pocketbook? And so far, we've kind of said, oh, well, of course, they should care about jobs and the economy and who's going to actually raise their taxes and who's not, um, but yet they keep voting against their interests. So maybe, you know, their racial identity is more important. And I think that's something we're gonna have to reckon with and just say, you know what, we don't need everyone's votes. Um, we need to really turn out the people that we know will vote for us and just sort of stop playing this game of like, can we win them or not? Like at some point we have to be like, look, you're supporting this sort of like hate politics and unless Democrats want to be more hateful, like we're not gonna win those people, you know? And so I think that's what I hear a lot, especially in the black community is like, why are we still trying to target these people? Like they don't see that Trump is crazy. They're not gonna agree with us. And then you have those other people that are sort of like, oh, we can get them anyway. So I think Georgia has sort of shifted that and made us realize who we should be targeting. And like you said, we'll see in January with the Senate what happens there, but um, I think those are some of the things that 
North Carolina is really going to have to deal with. But I think the rural urban problem is probably the biggest issue that's facing us and stopping us from becoming blue. Yeah, I yeah, I agree. I feel like this this election really taught us a lot again like we're still learning from 2016 like that statistic of 55% of white women that voted for Trump like was astonishing um and so really turning out the communities that will vote um blue and um yeah reckoning having to reckon with the fact that there are people that don't see racism and bigotry as a a deal breaker um yeah yeah that's a good point yeah um, okay, so kind of, you know, all that we have all this work left to do, and there's a lot of um, activist groups and organizations that are listeners, and we could support. So what are your favorite ones? And how would you recommend that we get involved? Yeah, so there's a few. <clears throat> there's actually a website, and I believe it's called sharecharlotte.org. Um, and it has like, pages and pages of like the different um, nonprofit organization. So you can just scroll through and see um, the name and it has a little blurb about what they do. Um, I said one earlier, Greater Charlotte Rise does a lot of good work um, with people that are homeless um, or facing homelessness. Um, and I think that's really important. Um, the Indivisible chapters here are really strong. Um, so, you know, Indivisible came about um, after Trump's election. Um, and I think those are good groups to, to get involved with, especially if like you maybe aren't a lifetime political person. A lot of the people in those groups um, really didn't do much until 2016. And then they were like, oh crap, like I've been living a life of being oblivious or a life of privilege or whatever. And like now I have to really do something. And so they've been doing a lot of good work, um, especially Indivisible 9. Um, so if you just like Facebook these groups too, like you can see them. Um, a lot of them have a ton of members. Um, that's a pretty easy way to do it as well. Um, Charlotte for Choice um, is a good group. Again, just Google or Facebook. I don't know if you all know this, but Charlotte is actually pretty nationally known for our women's health clinic. Um, there's one on Latrobe Drive in Charlotte that has got national attention because their protest is there like literally every day. Um, who yell and scream at women and call them murderers. And um, they're actually doing a big march Saturday. I was like, what day is it? Uh, they're doing it Saturday where there's supposed to be like a thousand pro-life demonstrators that are gonna be like marching um, and probably singing and shouting mean things. So what Charlotte for Choice does, uh, which is really insane. Like when I say it out loud, I'm like, what year is this? But um, they literally have this like great training program where you can be a clinic defender and they have these volunteers that have signs directing the um, patients where to go, where to park. Um, they will distract the protesters. So instead of yelling at the women, like they'll yell at them instead. It's a very interesting sort of operation that they have down there, but they have to do it because literally like they will block the street so that the women can't get through. You know, they yell at them as they get, go from their car to the door. It's a very chaotic thing, but I think if you care about women, if you care about protecting women's right to privacy, you know, their right to have a safe, healthy conversation with a doctor or a nurse, 
which again is like crazy that we're doing this in 2020, but um, it is a very serious issue. It's a very real thing. I've been there. These people are crazy. Like they will try to get in women's cars and stop them physically. So it is really wild. Um, I encourage people though to go at least once, try to help because it's so needed. Like I can't imagine if I was a woman in that predicament, like having someone like yelling at me as I go to have like, uh, you know, consultation. So they do really great work and I really wanna shout them out because I think it's something that's un not unique to Charlotte, but Charlotte has had like national articles written about them because of the amount of protesters that go there. Um, and so they always need to help. And um, yeah, so those are a few, but like I said, if you go to sharecharlotte.org, it has a bunch of different organizations where you can sort of see like what you maybe think, you know, you'd want to get involved in. Um, so I already did some social media stalking. I know Hillary Clinton follows you on Twitter. Um, that's insane. Um, goals. <laughs> right, I'm not complaining though. <laughs> Um, where can our listeners find you and keep up with you and everything that you're doing? Yeah, so you can look me up on Twitter. Uh, my username, I, I always forget like which one is which, but if you look up um, Autumn in Austin, so A-U-T-U-M-N-N, so that's two N's, A-L-S-T-O-N, you can find me. My display name, I think is what it is, is Autumnal Equinox um which I just changed um after the election um so you can look me up there my Instagram is autumnaustin90 so again just my first name my last name 90 and then on Facebook autumnaustin it's a pretty unique name so it shouldn't be that hard to find but yeah I'm pretty active um on all of them so definitely a lot of mostly selfies I will say but you know some other interesting content sometimes as well well, we love a good selfie. We're always hyping up selfies. So there you go. <laughs> no problem with that at all. Um, well, thank you so, so, so much for joining us today. Um, I feel like I got a lot out of that and learned about Charlotte. I mean, we've both been here for just over a year and there's just still so much that, you know, I want to get involved in. I know Emily wants to get involved too. So um, I feel like this is really beneficial and I hope that our listeners get a lot out of it too. Of course. It's a very great city. It's, it's a unique city, but it's, it's a good, beautiful city. All right. Thank you so much.